Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Block Talk Radio, GlobalWomenSportsRadio.com, Spotify, iHeart, Google Cast, Apple Podcasts, and TuneIn. Our host, Oscar Lopez here. We're going to have a big show today. We're going to talk NFL exclusively for about 40 minutes. Then uh, we're going to dive into the Maple League in Finland, plus Division One in Finland. And bombshell news just breaking right now about a half hour ago, the Icon Women's Football Association introduces the intense eight-on-eight league that will be in 2021 introduced. So a kind of a challenge to the X League, I presume. So we'll see how that's going to turn out. But uh, that's been pretty, uh, pretty interesting news in terms of arena football for women. If they can pull it off as successful as they, as they, they have been in Texas, that would be a huge game changer in terms of the arena side. Um, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, including everything at the hub and then also any, everything women's related. So uh, welcome aboard. One hour, hour and a half or so, we'll, we're going to have Hall of Famer Holly Custis in about 30 minutes. Then we've got Nate Ward here coming in to talk everything NFL as well. So if you haven't visited us at the hub, go to facebook.com forward slash Beauty. It's the best network on the planet with everything to do with women's American football. We have the best uh, resources collaborating there. So just go like us, follow us, uh, share it with your friends, uh, everything that could happen, bring awareness to the sport. Uh, shout out to our no joke football athletes this week, just amazing, uh, engagement on our social platform. So shout out to Ellie Mazzola, Alexi DeMeo, and of course, uh, Dorian Bridges this week. So shout out to those no joke football athletes that are doing their thing out there, including the other uh, rostered athletes that we have for the brand. So if you haven't gone to our shop, missed out on a couple sales this weekend. So always go to the shop at zazzle.com for slash gridiron beauties and get something there. T-shirts under $25. You got a bunch of stuff, leggings on sale at 25% off as well. Uh, so check it out. Support the podcast as well. Zazzles have been a sponsor for almost eight years. They're the ones that keep us on the air. So check it out at zazzle.com for slash gridiron beauties at the no joke football shop. All right, let's bring in uh the ex-league insider, which would be Nate Ward in the house. Hey, Nate. How we doing, Oscar? I'm hanging around, Nate. Um, just coming on the board. I just, I just I messaged you like 10 minutes, 15 minutes ago, and uh, this is huge if the Icon Women's Football Association ends up challenging ex-league in 2021. This could be a game-changer given the fact that the majority of the players – that were previously in LFL and are not in X-League at this point, uh, they're in the IWFA probably playing in Texas in general. Um, so there's a lot of players nationwide that play flag if they convert to 8-on-8 and they see this as a option. This could be huge for the Icon Women's Football League to, to expand into those existing X-League cities. Two-word. Game changer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I I'd heard uh, even before you messaged me, I heard some some rumblings that something something could be happening, and now we know. Um, I'm excited. 
I'm excited. I think about all the players, like, like you just mentioned, all the players that used to be in LFL that are now doing flag and um, like the IWFA. I mean, th- this could get very interesting. I've been waiting to see what would happen if Mitch and his crew actually have some pressure put on them. What what changes actually come true? What things happen? Because we talked about this before. They have been a lone wolf in this market for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Now here comes a league that is established on all other levels, and they're bringing on eight versus eight arena style. They made it very clear that it will be arena, which is awesome, especially for women's football front. It'll be interesting to see what both the experience league brings to the table and how Mitch either to the occasion or runs with his tail between his legs. Well, and I'm going to tell you right now, you know, you, you can look at it in different ways, but the impact of elemental football league also will have a women's division from what I'm told from some of the uh, uh, men's side that they are branching out to do something in 2021 as well. So the IDFL would be so in that mode. So we could have two challengers to the X league brand that we've never had before in the actual United States with maybe a six market, uh, you know, challenge in other words. So, it makes sense for the IWFA to just completely infiltrate every existing market that the X League have. Because if, if, it can, if it can be done that way, they already have an established fan base. The only difference will be what? The uniform. If the fans can somehow evolve and accept, you know, the existing icon women's football league uniform, which is a traditional uniform with just longer leggings, uh, it's not as compact as as a football mm-hmm. uniform. In other words, a full NFL style uniform. It's a faster paced game. We've talked about that before. More high scoring, right? So here's here's right. a Mortaz's challenge. I think you know he's got to patch up some things, like especially with his bad PR moves here in 2020 with COVID. I mean, how is he going to react going forward in terms of 2021? And are we looking at? certain players in the X league now looking at the um, IWFA as an option, which they didn't have before because technically he's not paying them. The icon women's football association is probably not going to pay them either. So we have an option now. Do you want to play under, you know, Martaz's rules or do you want to come over and kind of take, you know, an, an opportunity or a gamble per se at this point with the icon league. So really, really dynamic in terms of, you know, what 2021 is going to look like in terms of the, um, eight-on-eight or seven-on-seven scene for women's football. And let's not also forget the difference between fans seeing the games as they happen versus Mitch Mortaza's Al Eric a week later. Yeah, that's that's my point. It's like where, where uh, you know, you got Michelle Marshall, Lonnie Lopez. You got all these players in 2021. I don't know if – uh, the uh, IWFA is going to conflict with the WFLA because WFLA is supposed to kick off in May. And a lot of the players have LOI for certain teams in the WFLA. So that's maybe a concern as well. Um, but, you know, I talked to Michelle Marshall on our previous podcast, and I did mention to her, Nate, there is no lack of talent in Texas in terms of women wanting to play football. So I don't think the talent pool is going to be an issue either way. Oh no! I think they're going to have plenty of uh, plenty of skilled athletes to 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 join, and I, you know, bring it on. 
uh, little competition never hurt anybody. Um, and the fact that, you know, at at this point, it's just it's it's open range. You know, come one, come all. Let's see who who comes out on top. I, <laughs> you're gonna hear it right here, right now, and this is gonna be shocking. I am pulling for IWFA, all the way. No, I'm I'm in the same uh, bus. I'm I'm trying to get onto that Greyhound, right? I mean, at this point, just in Texas alone, um, if you say Michelle Marshall is gonna play in the IWFA. If you're an LFL oh. former fan, you're going to be drawn to Michelle Marshall in the Icon Women's Football Association. You know what I mean? As an example, name recognition. You got Lonnie Lopez. You got Cassandra Bills. You got all these uh, Austin Acoustic, former Austin Acoustic standouts. They're going to be in this league. If that's the case, you're going to have a fan draw. And if they do it right, as we talked about before, if this evolves into something legit, which is you know, you're promoting the player versus a percentage of t- uh, uh, T-shirt sales, a percentage of ticket sales, and things like that. If you do it internally as a business model, as we've always uh, discussed, then this could be a viable business to the point where now it, the X League doesn't even become a challenger. It's, it would stand on right. on its own. The only competition it would be, like I said, would be another league that would come up, maybe the Impact Developmental Football League, if they decide to pay, you know, players in terms of an arena-style type of scale pay. Um, even on a low-end grade pay, you know, $100, $200 a game, that still would be a game changer in terms of the um, arena football, uh, women's arena football. Absolutely, they're gonna, <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, I'm ready. They're gonna, they're gonna make some noise. I was just thinking about, you know, we talked about, you know, Michelle Marshall and Milan um, Puzz, All these names, LFL fans know that are over there. I almost liken it to uh, Eric Bischoff made a phrase about with WCW. You have a mm-hmm. product right here that everybody's eyes are on. Make a big noise over here and make him go, what was that? I like that. That's, yeah, I mean, remember when, w, when, when right WCW, WCW hit the scene and everybody, you know, every uh, WWE or WWF major star just showed up on Nitro, right? Yep. This yep. could be the same kind of concept. Even if it's tape delayed a week, and if it's done right with some highlight reels, totally different than the X League has ever done before with their, you know, their uh, highlight reels, which doesn't incorporate any type of football. It's just a shock, shock value. But if they do on-field plays, on-field touchdowns, you know, exclusive route riding, you know, things like that, um, fans will be drawn into it. It just, it's just the way that it's the way they will present it. If they present it in a true football form versus they presented in what X League has done in the past and failed. If they just correct what X League has failed at, then at this point it would be a total game changer. Absolutely, absolutely, total, total one eighty from what we know. I mean, you you think about how uh, The Rock and Danny Garcia just completely uh, shocked everybody, reviving the XFL at this point yeah. for the next year. And that right there in itself just goes to show you that, you know, you're not, he's not going to get into something he's not able to do something with. I mean, people would tell oh, 15 million is nothing for, you know, Dwayne Johnson. Uh, but technically 50 million is somewhat of an investment for Dwayne Johnson. So he's not going to just throw 15 million away and, and, and not have it be pro- productive and beneficial and sustainable. So, 
this is the same concept I think the uh, the Icon Women's Football League is going with. Okay, it's a proven exactly. it's a proven brand, it's a proven uh, style of football. Modify what the X League couldn't do, and let's let's go into the same markets that they've been at and see how we can survive. Because if you get Nate, if you get four thousand fans, five thousand fans, okay, at the six six markets that the X League were there, but you get those six six uh thousand fans or so and all of those fans are gonna buy basically uh elite players in the IWFA that were former LFLs, okay, revenue is going to just completely come in right away. You might lose money the first year in general, but as you get the second year momentum with some sort of business mindset, this could be a cha- a game changer completely and it makes makes uh Mitchell look really bad because he had almost 10 years leg up and he didn't do anything valuable with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I can't wait. Let's go. I don't want to wait for 2021. This is getting No, tough, I know. It, it got me so excited. <laughs> I even had a, I had a message, uh, Michelle Marshall and say, you know, if, if this is serious, man, are you guys going to like just change the, the whole mindset uh, of arena football, we, we're all – when we think of arena football, we always think of men's arena football, right? We don't even think women. Right. We don't even think women. Exactly. But the Icon Women's Football League is eight on eight, and they've been in this little corner down in Texas, right? Just one little region out right. there. But they've made so many uh, changes to the point where they are so legit. Because of league play, they they play a premier play with – for higher caliber players, and then they permit, they play a regular season game. As Michelle's point was before, right, the difference between the X-League and the IWFA is the X-League is a faster game. The only exception is because they don't allow the heavier set women to participate in the big matchups, where the IWFA allows everybody type to participate in their league. So it is a little slower in that sense, but that's still true football, right? So when you put it down at the end, it's still true football because every every shape and size is being allowed to play, even on the eight on eight format. So um, I'm excited. I think it's a game changer. Terrence Haywood, you know, shout out to you and your uh, and your compadres out there, um, yeah. the owners over in the IWFA, and shout out to all the athletes that will be participating in the 21 the 2021 season. Me and Nate here are just giddy. We just want it to, to be here now because we just want to see how much of a transformation this will be. Yes, 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 yes. So I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. Um, this is great news coming on to it, breaking news as we just come on air. So it's really, really awesome to hear. Um, and, you know, who, who more deserving than um, that group to completely challenge um, <laughs> some of the players that were – in Mitchell's feeder system in Austin, <laughs> I guess this is payback. By and far, if you want to, yes, absolutely. You know what I mean? <laughs> no kidding. So you had a feeder system you didn't want to you didn't want to uh, help out with, you didn't want to incorporate with, you didn't want to support, right? You didn't want to do anything for them, and all of a sudden, you know, oh. this is karma. If it turns out right, this is this is going to be karma. Well, that's like, you know, I mean, what, let's be honest. Was that really going to happen? I mean, he had a chance. That he was assembling a feeder for the Australia division, and he didn't use that. And that became its own league for about a year. So, I mean, 
you know, these I think these girls are ready to 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 show to show him and those that have been following him for a long time what they've been missing. Bottom line. And Nate, as a male fan, because that's what we're gonna we're gonna just like focus on the male fanatics because you know, males are the ones that are supporting the X League. As a male fan, you start to see the uniform in the IWFA and there is a traditional helmet, traditional padding, mm-hmm. uh, modified uh, lower bottoms to make it obviously uh, less intrusive to run and speed, right? Other than that, right. it is almost completely NFL-style uh, uniform. That's it. And all you, get is, all you get is the excitement of the game. You get to see that. And now we're going to get to see it to where somebody's going to visually look at that and go, that's women playing, not men and it'll be a game changer. I'm pretty sure it'll be a transition yeah. point, and then it's going to be an eye-opening, right, when somebody takes off their helmet and you see the highlight reel and it's actually a female, and they're just going to just blow the mind, right? Because you, you would think it would be like some sort of men's arena football or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to any, any uh, male football fans listening right now, just honestly give it a shot. You will not, and Oscar can agree with me on this, you will not be disappointed. These are top-notch athletes in the IWFA, and they're going to knock your socks off on, uh, at the arena pace, I guarantee you. Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of time, effort, um, and training that all these players in, the, in this Texas League do, you know, the gym work, the, uh, some of them are at, at F45's uh, facilities. You know, and they're putting in the work every week, week out, week and weights and everything else. Uh, these all these players in this uh, IWFA are going to be uh, top-notch athletes, and that's what you know will will be the difference. The difference will be: Are you going to get true football athletes that have played it on eight, or are you going to get you know, as they say, the the uh, I don't know the downgrade version of of them in the X League? Because obviously, coming into 2021, the only people or players that we're getting pitched are talented players uh, within their own right, athletic, but they have never set foot on a on the arena set in the X League even one game. So everybody that Mitch is pitching is, to Michelle's point, okay, unknown and nobody really knows because everybody else that was known has left. Yeah. Yeah. Um and that you know, it, it it it's a it's a combination of frustrating and embarrassing. I mean, especially when you know. I mean, obviously there's some that have been around there for a while, but you have faces that people know. I know you're trying to push the new athlete, but in that sense, you almost need to get a few games under the belt so people actually see these faces on the field playing, and then once they see them and see the success they have, you're you're, you're basically saying that, you know, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread and they haven't even played a damn down yet. Yeah, and like I said, I'll give them credit for being athletic, cool. but we haven't seen anything in terms of durability exactly. or, or football skill set. So we haven't. Yep. We're on, the, on, on, on this news that we just got today, we already know what, what they can do. They're proven. You know, they're seasoned. And so that's the big difference. It's mm-hmm. the difference between a you know a non-spiced meal that doesn't taste right and a real flavorful meal, and this is where this is the difference between the two now. One has the marketing 
or has had the marketing for a long time, just can't seem to get the meal spiced correctly, where the other one hasn't had right. the marketing, but they've had the talent. And, you know, so it's, a, it's like a little unknown restaurant, right, that you go to and people are raving about all the time, and then they find, you finally get there, and you're like, man, what have, what have I been missing, right? So um, shout out, like I said, to Terrence Haywood and the group over in IWFA. Shout out to uh, Michelle uh, Marshall out there. Um, if you missed our podcast last weekend, we had a really good podcast. Um, so check it out on 330, uh, 331, 330. Uh, you can go back to uh, 324, which is a huge. So if you haven't uh, checked this out, I don't know where you've been, right, Nate? Right <laughs> under a rock. Right. But anyways, uh, exactly. weekly, weekly every Tuesday. So I, I don't know where you're at, but we're here every Tuesday. Always here, always on. All right, so Nate, um, this whole COVID thing, NFL's going to change all this stuff. The rules are going to change uh, how we – do performances, non-performances, uh, players opting out for various reasons, obviously, because, uh, you know, the COVID, they either have family or they have other concerns for themselves. Um, yeah, Deion Sanders uh, tweeted out, all players opting out in all sports, please believe the game will go on without you. This is a business, and you and don't you ever forget that. There's no one that's bigger than the game itself. Only the refs, the umps. And the officials are that important that you can't play without them. Not you. Hashtag truth. So, I don't know, your two cents, Nate, at this point. I, I think that's reality, but at the same time, uh, I mean, some of these guys have a lot of money. Taking a year off isn't going to kill their budget or, or their finances, and they they kind of they're cautioning on the side of health. Oh, it's when I saw when I saw that 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 tweet from from Dion, I was just immediately, yes, thank you for speaking the truth for saying what a lot of us have been trying to say, especially coming from a referee myself. Um, I just we we've seen college already starting starting to drop like flies. Uh, taking a year off from NFL is not going to hurt them. They are the top premier football league in the nation they (laughs) they've just celebrated over a hundred years and i think with the income they get between the playoffs the super bowl the merchandise the 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 big money players all that kind of stuff i don't think it would harm them to just save themselves trouble like we've already seen with other sports that have been trying to get started save themselves the trouble, save themselves players getting sick or just even the risk of it, and just wait. I, I think it is unbelievably stupid at this point. They are still trying to, you know, make shift the rules and, oh, we're going to up this equipment, we're going to change this, change that. If I said it about a month ago on the podcast. If you have to butcher the game in order to try to make it safe and try to keep it clean and sanitary, then don't bother. It's football. It's going to be contact. Things are going to happen. Just forget it. Yeah, I know. It's uh, My thing is just you have the college. The college thing makes sense, okay? They're not getting paid. That makes sense. I can understand that part of it, you know, where, where you're right. not going to force collegiate, collegiate um, athletes to participate, which is fine. Until they change the rules there or compensate somehow or whatever they're going to do, it's not really, you know, necessary. Uh, in the NFL, it's mm-hmm. a true business. 
So it's like no other business, you know, that goes under. You still need to stay in business, right? Everybody's uh, restaurants and things like that, you still have what, you know, curbside pickup or you have some sort of delivery service, right? So you got to stay in business, right? So the NFL has the same mindset at this point. So we need to find out, you know, you got to like look at it in the two, two ways. Uh, you know, the risk is really what you look at. So some of the players uh, with the NFLPA have decided that they amended uh, the, the CBA to the point where they can make a decision or both. So it really puts pressure, uh, I think, on the, on the teams or some of the, some of the teams that obviously are going to have to do some patchwork in terms of how they're going to have to acquire new athletes and things like that. So we'll see how that is going to you know, turn out to be different at this point. Right. And, and you're right. As a business, they need to keep going. I, as far as the health risk goes, though, in, in terms of players that they would have, you know, like Dion said, you know, it will go on without you. They will play without you. The problem becomes, I mean, like you and I, and most, you know, diehard, wide open football fans, you know, if there's players on the field, we'll watch. But I guarantee you a high percentage, in fact, probably the biggest percentage that they need to at least keep some semblance of the wheel turning are, are fans that they see the faces, they see the Tom Brady's and the, the Richard Sherman's and the Russell Wilson's and, and, and all these, the, the Cam Newton's. They see those faces, and that's what sucks them in. That keeps them tuned in. So, what is the um, what is the damage? Rather than wait and maybe try some different methods, like you know, um, I don't know. You have the NFL now and all those apps and stuff. Maybe like you know, uh, pay per view, like classic games, stuff like that. Because what what's the damage more that if you ruin your reputation by you know, losing fans because they don't want to see guys that they don't know. I'm, I'm trying to make make sense, and I hope I am, because you, you're going to have guys that nobody knows, for the most part, if these big money players leave because of their their um, their health. So then what's more damaging? Uh, trying a different avenue and not actually playing the games and keeping everybody home and safe or putting players out there that are risking themselves for the chance that you are doing irreparable damage by having a, a loss of viewership and maybe even, you know, the risk of losing some contracts because you tried this anyways. No, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a business uh, kind of a risk factor. It's like, what do you weigh one or the other? Uh, let's bring in the hall of famer, Holly Custis in the house here. Um, Holly, we're talking about um, some of the players opting out, Deion Sanders tweeting out, um, how you know this is, you know, bigger than the game. The players, it's a business. You got to play. Uh, some players decided to, you know, do the amendment with the CBA and decided that they don't want to play anymore, or they're not going to play the season at this point until things get figured out with COVID. So, uh, on a business side of thing, I, I can understand, you know, where he's passionate about it because the game has to go on. It's a, it's a business that you have to have some sort of uh, viable sport for them to exist. Uh, on the other hand, you also have players. Like I said, you know, they, some players have enough money to where they can take a year off and make that decision. So taxi squads, I guess, whoever's on the taxi squad's willing to take the risk to go on the field. I guess those are the people that are going to fill in some of those uh, roster gaps. <clears throat> well, I, I think it, it's a tough situation. And I think, you know, personally, as an athlete, I think if you want to take um, a year off, um, 
I don't think I am angry with people that do that because I think everyone has their own personal uh, situations and their own personal choices. And, you know, the, the players themselves might have um, some medical issues that we don't know about um, or a family member of mine, that sort of thing. So we're never going to know everybody's situation to know if they're making the right decision because it's going to be their life and their decision. But I also do agree with, with Dion as well in that that is the, um, you know, the decision you have to make as a player is kind of a risk-reward scenario of if I sit out, I have to know I'm risking the fact that somebody else might be in my spot if they're able to get through the season. Um, and if you are a player who is uh, kind of an intermediate player or maybe even a bubble player, then the risk of you kind of losing your spot is higher. If you are an established star, then you have probably a little bit more leeway, but then you also have the pressure of if you're the star of that team, what does that look like to the rest of the team type of thing? So it's a hard uh, question for everybody. And so I think at the end of the day, the, the thing that is interesting and hard for me as an athlete is if you don't play, your chances of getting COVID are just as high. Um, and that's the thing that is really difficult to really quantify because technically you could do everything right. You could wear a mask, you could do social distancing, mm -hmm. you could quarantine, mm -hmm. you could do everything right and you could still get it because there's no way to control every um, issue out there. There's always going to be something out of your control, right? And so I heard somebody talk about this on the radio the other day, and I thought it was a good point. The people that are opting out, I think that's totally fine, but they're going to have to be aware that they can't be on social media saying, hey, guys, I'm out at the beach. Look at me, you know, because that's going to really rub people the wrong way. So if they're being responsible because they want to take care of themselves and their families, I think that's totally cool, and, and, I, and I get it. But I also think you're going to have to be aware about, okay, well, if I'm sitting out this season, then you, you better not be going out and uh, getting yourself um, exposed, you know, just as much, if not more so, because there's going to be a lot of backlash for that. So that's kind of how I feel. I think the players are right to make the decision for themselves. But I also think Dion's right and that there's a risk there that if you sit out because the NFL is a business, and there's always some guy right, you know, at your heels that you're going to have to weigh that in your decision. Yeah, you know, Holly, to your point, it's very, very cut, uh, very cut dry, right? It's like there's always another man up, right? There's, there's somebody willing to do the work or take the gamble to take your slot. That's really what you're saying right now. You're saying that, okay, there's always going to be somebody there to take that opportunity, right? When somebody doesn't just – or they just change their mind and, and they – they opt out for whatever reason, but you have a big point. That's a, that's a valid point right there. The perception could be detrimental uh, to the individual, right? In terms of a team taking another opportunity with you or giving you an opportunity to come back. Yeah. I mean, it's a risk reward scenario in that if you sit out and somebody comes and does a great job after you, then you're making it a lot harder for yourself to come back. I think what Dion's saying is that your spot is never guaranteed in the, in, in the NFL. Um, but the, so there, there's a little bit of perception there. But I think, I think if you're doing 
that responsible thing for yourself, I think you got you got to do it a hundred percent because let's say you're um, like you know on a scale of one to ten, like you're a solid seven player. You're not like the top four or five players on your team, but you're a good solid role player. Um, you know, you're not quite a pro bowler, but you're still maybe a starter, that kind of level of player. If you sit out and then you're, you know, going out to the beach in Florida somewhere or wherever, and that's not a good look either. So I think as long as they're responsible all the way, their, you know, their um, media perception should still be okay. But I'm interested to see if people do that or not. I think that's going to be a very easy trap for them to fall into. Holly, uh, The Rock decides to upgrade XFL to 3.0. Interesting in terms of Danny Garcia and himself. Uh, $50 million is probably nothing to him, right? Because it's just one movie, as people would say. Um, <laughs> this, is, this is big news because um, there's a theory out there that this is one, one way to help out McMahon because he's helped out his career for so long that throwing in 50 million to revive something McMahon couldn't keep alive. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's some of the rumor scenarios. Um, what do you think of Dwayne Johnson, you know, taking over X, uh, the XFL? I think it's a, um, actually, you know, a decent move. I think if COVID didn't happen, I think that uh, the XFL maybe had at least one more season in them. Um, and, you know, the, the challenging thing is trying to have a league that's kind of like the minor league to the to the NFL is always going to be challenging. Um, so I think it's a it's a great move for him. It's a great move uh, to involve like his his ex wife was also involved, and that's a big deal to have a woman in that situation. So I think it's great. I think I'm really interested to see um, if he makes any changes or or how much input he's going to have or what that's going to look like. But then again, maybe if they are in a position that they can keep uh, or basically reboot it, um, maybe COVID will give them a chance to to really think about the changes they need to make, and maybe this is an opportunity to be uh, better and have a better product. Holly, he's got so many connections. This is the right move for him, right? He's connected with everybody. He's got so many relationships, branding, uh, Fox in general. Uh, I mean – it's it's the right move, and then uh, Danny Danny's been a proven marketer all the way around in all her businesses too. So on the backside of things, um, and their you know former husband and wife mentality, um, so I, I, it's a good relationship for them in terms of finances. If it goes to a bigger scale than this, then it's just going to be blown up pretty well, especially for television purposes. I mean, he has a lot of say in it, so uh, I think that's the difference. Where I think Vince had you know WWE in general. But I, do you, you would agree that maybe The Rock way bigger than WWE in terms of, you know, somebody taking a gamble on him and saying, hey, we're going with you because, you know, you're a real big brand? I think so because when you look at The Rock, he has basically three different platforms. He has his old wrestling platform. He has football. And he has acting in, in Hollywood. And so he's been in all three so he's in a position where he has um, uh, basically, you know, people that he knows in all three and a lot of good connections in that way. And he's a, he's a class act entertainer. And so that's mm-hmm. why I'm interested to see, like, how much he changes or doesn't change. Because I think if you're looking for a person that has experience with wrestling, football, and 
acting, that that's the only person I can think of off the top of my head. So I think mm-hmm. he, he is a good person for that role. Uh, Nate, um, Dwayne, I mean, reviving something that could have been something big, like Holly's saying, this is a huge move for him. And ultimately, being involved with Fox or any major broadcaster just gives you a leg up for exposure. Absolutely, and I, I think a, a huge, a huge assist to him is just the fact alone that Fox is still even interested. You know, when it, it amazes me because you would think after getting burned like they did that they wouldn't want to try to go back into business with the XFL. Um, so to hear them wanting to do that, um, that's one. That's a big boost for the league as a whole. That shows the. Um, the credibility and the face they see in Dwayne and Danny and the, and the fact that they still see potential in this league, despite what Vince McMahon did to it. Um, so to have, I mean, for any league to have a television network is, is a huge leg up, but for XFL to be able to come back into the fold and still have a network willing to back it is even bigger than that. That's, that's a huge, um, that's a huge footprint. Holly, uh, let's move into college. A little bit more intricate in college because somebody tweeted me, hey, this is most similar to women's football when, you know, we can't come to an agreement. We have the NCAA as an umbrella, but all of a sudden we got the MAC and all these other conferences start, are going to decide whether they play or not play. Um, so they're not, they're not being mandated by one full umbrella at this point. So what's your thoughts on the college? Um, there was an article at cvsports.com where it says the Power Five are going to be either they're going to they're either not going to play in the fall period. So basically, I think what happened is that COVID has exposed a lot of issues that um, the college football game has had for a really long time. And I think the the biggest problem is that basically, you know, when you had like the seventies and eighties. You know, football, college football was like an amateur sport, right? And then millions Mm -hmm. and now billions of dollars have changed the landscape of the sport. It's no longer just, um, you know, like your average, you know, you're not playing at the Y. This is is a business, right? And so the Mm -hmm. problem has been is that there's been a lot of haves and have-nots in college football historically. And so the Power Five conferences – are basically supposed to be the leaders of all the rest of the, the conferences in Division One football. And the fact that you have all the conferences off during the, doing their own thing, they all have, like, their own medical people, but none of them are talking to each other. And the conferences are kind of talking to each other, but all of them are trying to do their own thing is a problem. And so I really think what happened is you had all of these cracks within the structure of college football and COVID was the earthquake that now has created these cracks into fissures. And now there's big problems all over the place. And so I don't, it's kind of comparable to women's football, but not really um, because it's a bit different when there's billions of dollars involved. Um, But it is comparable in that it's obvious there's a lack of leadership at the top and there's no alignment Everyone's doing their own thing. The SEC is like, mm-hmm. we're going to play until, you know, <laughs> until someone dies, basically, is what they want to do. 
and then other teams really want to play and Nebraska's like, we will play anybody and Ohio State's like, we're going to go to the SEC and, and then you have the players that really want to play and then some players that don't and and I think the biggest mistake a lot of these conferences have made, in my opinion, is they didn't really involve the players the way that they should have. And I think I think we're going to have a lot of problems going forward because the Big Ten and the Pac-12 both said today that they're going to aim for the spring. The um, other remaining three Big Five are still talking. But what happens if you have three conferences playing in the fall and two playing in the spring – you can't really have a college football playoff the way that you could before. What is that going to look like for recruiting? Will people that are seniors that are, or juniors that are going to go into the NFL, will they forgo that spring uh, season, you know, to save themselves for the draft? There's a whole bunch of problems. I really think college football is going to be a hot mess for probably two or three years. Um, so that's kind of where I stand on that. Uh, Nate, so do we blame Carol Baskin for all this mess? I think we should. Yeah, I, I think we can go ahead and blame Carol Baskin. Why not? I think Mac would, would blame not? Carol Baskin for all this mess. Um, it's a mess. You blame her for I mean, when you, think of, when you think about it, as Holly laid it out here, it's really a mess because there's no communication going on, medical uh, you know, direction, guidelines. Um, how do you get everybody to, you know, airlines, arrangements, you know, all the customary things that you would have done before, you know, how the things all get arranged. Regionally, I, I think I understand, make it sense. You can rearrange the schedule where it's regional, maybe within a three-state, four-state mentality, um, like the SEC is basically that kind of, you know, conference. So, um, I don't know. Uh, you, you feel the same way? You think it's it's going to get more complicated and probably going to get awkward for the next two years, as she's pointing out? Yeah, I I think, you know, like you said that, you know, you could do I would say you could do regional, but much like we've seen with a lot of the major leagues that have to say I think MLB is probably the biggest example. You know, just the the logistics and the um the the transportation, the lodging, I mean, the all of the logistics behind it and the fact that, like you noted, there's just straight-up no communication between anybody. It's I, I was reading um, I was reading an article earlier, and they made, a, they made a great point that in the world of college football, you used to have everybody was a conglomerate. Everybody knew what everybody was doing. You know, you had conferences, but you all had the same mindset. You kept in touch. And you made sure everything was all good and dandy. Now, in today's age, with the uh, billions of dollars that have come in, from what I've heard, now you have all these separate conferences with different mindsets, different goals, different objectives, uh, some of them different rules, and they all have their own officials regardless of the fact they're under college football NCAA guideline. And so to, to, to say, you know, oh, we could go regional would be one thing, but to actually execute it? I would see it as just asking for more trouble than they're already in right now. That's the, that's the honest truth. Holly, uh, what do you think in general, if they do split it in half, it just changed the whole landscape, right? It takes us back to like the fifties or something where 
you don't really have a national championship or something like that. You, is it more of a television money thing? Because, you know, we have money, like to your point, this is a, this is big for like NBC. This is big for ABC. And if we don't have these games, that's television revenue. Uh, a lot of these um, broadcasters rely on this content, right. To make their own revenue. So it's, it's really kind of like a vicious cycle for everybody. Yeah. And I think what you basically hit on is this is this is about money. And the fact mm-hmm. is a lot of colleges are relying on these funds from football. And like I said before, there's a difference between like the 70s and the 80s where everyone just kind of played for the love of the game. And if you got a national TV like once a year, you were excited. That has gone away. And so the, it's really – I think what happened is universities saw that college football was going to be their bell cow and they put all their eggs in one basket. So when you don't have a very good, um, I guess, financial balance with the universities, when they don't play football in the fall or if it goes further into the spring and they don't play football into the spring, that's a lot of money that's not coming in. And it's not just the players and coaches that aren't playing and coaching. It's also staff, uh, medical people, ticket people, marketing people. There's a lot of jobs that go away. And then also some of that money is used to support other sports. And that goes away. And then those people go away. So the damage financially is huge, right? And then plus, you know, and people innately want to play and people want to coach. I'd say most people probably do, Right. And so I think if you split and you have one in the fall, one in the spring, it's just not going to logistically work as far as, like, in playoffs. Um, so I don't really know what they're going to do. The only thing I can logically think of is to have everyone buy, like, cat control over everything. <laughs> I would have, if you're going to go in the spring, go in the spring. Um, but do it regionally, but do it like the NBA is doing. So yeah. if all the students are setting – remotely you're you're setting your classes online that actually gives you more flexibility so let's say you're talking about pac 12 because i'm out on the west coast let's find a central point let's say in california somewhere and say okay you know and this is going to still be kind of hard because football has a lot more numbers than than basketball but let's just say hypothetically you had everyone in the same area they went to class, you know, by going online like they would normally do, and then everyone is in a central place, and you play in a central place, and then, you know, once you get out of conference play, then maybe you create a new bubble. That's the only thing I can think of if you're trying to do the regional thing because you guys are right. When you have travel involved, there's a lot of um, issues that you can't control. You can't control the the airlines. You can't control – Who's bringing in food? You can't control any of that, and or the hotels or any of that. So it's it's really it's really tough. Um, but I think my biggest concern is, so these conferences are like, oh, we're going to postpone into the spring. So that's they're going to start. I think the Pac-12 said to reevaluate like the first of January. Okay, let's say it's the first of January. What's going to change between now and then? I think we're going to be in the same spot with the same conversation. The same drama, the same miscommunications between the conferences. So, you know, they have a few months to get there, but I'm not feeling good about spring either at this point just because their communication is so poor. 
So what happens is, do we have to get rid of the sport in general and then revamp it again? Because this is, uh, man, COVID has just ruined the, the sports landscape to a point where, you know, we have to think twice about what we do. We have to work harder about what – it's not like a – like I was pointing out earlier, it's not like a restaurant, right, where, you know, like I had a buddy that owns a restaurant, and he was hesitant on going on Grubhub or DoorDash, right, for a long, long time. And like a month before COVID hit, he actually got on board with them, right, and literally saved his business because he would have gone under. He had no traffic. Yeah. His restaurant shut down, right, uh, because he went right. on these two platforms for revenue. He was getting, you know, people to, you know, get the brown bags and come in and pick up their meals and everything else, and he's been able to increase his visibility on top of all that. So this is the same thing, like I'm saying, with the broadcasters. There's a need there with the broadcaster. Um, they made a contract with the broadcasters. The broadcasters are obviously, you know, sensitive in some sense, but at the same time, they're like, hey, if I don't have football content, I don't get paid, right? If I, if I don't get paid, the advertisers right. don't pay me, right? It's like, it's like right. a one of these catch twenty twos, right? <laughs> so mm-hmm. COVID really has, like you said, uh, opened eyes in ways where business has to be more crafty, or they have to come up with something more structured to the point where uh, it's safe, safety first, right? And then at the same time, the execution of the brand or the product. It's, it's a lot harder now than it ever was before. Definitely. And, again, if if they were all, like, on a, a similar page or aligned or the communication was better, then I think I would feel better. But you're right. I think in a general sense, all of the way that we do business is changing. All of, uh, you know, like, major businesses are now looking about, hey, we don't need to travel that much. We can do everything online. We don't need people to be in the office 24-7. We can have them do their work from home unless they're, like, you know, on a production floor. But if you're in, like, an office setting, you can totally do your job wherever you are as long as you have the Internet and a computer. And so I think that I've seen, at least personally, a lot of businesses look at their workforce and and, – the expenses of having physical buildings and the expenses of having people travel around. And they're looking at that differently because in business, if you don't adjust, you basically die. Right. And so I'm hoping that these people in charge of college football can also get on board and say, Hey, the the way we've been doing it for X amount of years is no longer going to work. So let's get together and make this right. You know, and I'm hoping that happens. But I just don't have a lot of faith in it um, because historically the last 15 years, you guys are right, they're, they're pretty much out for themselves. Nate, uh, Holly's point's very uh, savage, right? If you're a college that is relying on the football program to support the fal- uh, faculty and on top of that support all the other, you know, seasonal sports, you're doomed. You're done pretty much. Oh, by and far. Uh, you are, um, it's, yeah, you're you're toast, and it's a sad situation. Um, you know, and, and that kind of also, you know, stems back to the the fact that we have, you know, instead of an actual program like D two D three, instead NCAA just kind of sits by the wayside, and we have five conferences that control everything and aren't really about fairness, and so. Um, you know, some like myself, I, I, 
I'm, I'm kind of glad to see some of these, these powerful conferences bow out and not be playing. And I would, I would hope some of the lower conferences would take the opportunity and keep that, that, that flow coming in and actually play uh, without that, that overhang of those, those, those greedy conferences over them. I know the S will probably still keep going, um, but it, it's disappointing. It's all around disappointing that we could lose, um, you know, some great underlying uh, football programs um, that we've seen over the years. And, um, you know, it, I, I mean, I guess, if they can try, try, and that's all you can do. Um, but yeah, it is, it's, it's a cold, hard truth. Uh, if you don't play these games, if you miss any at all, you're, I mean, even one, you're, you're, you're most likely done because you don't have the income and you could be done as a school too. If, if that's your primary funding. Yeah. That's the scary part about it. Depending on what region or what part of the country you're in, um, you might even have to scale some programs and chop them off. That also affects some scholarships. And I mean, it's just a, it's COVID has been an eye-opening thing. I mean, Holly, you, you can attest to that, right. right? You're like, you know, what do they call it? Bunkered at home because you're doing all your stuff at home and you're zooming and we're doing conference calls, you know, certain hours of the day. Uh, I think the only benefit out of the whole COVID is I got my fridge next to me, right, Holly? You got the fridge right there. You can <laughs> go get what you want. <laughs> oh man. Put it on pause and take a bite of the sandwich and then come back right Wipe your wipe your um, your mouth and then you're back in conference mode. Or uh, you can cheat, right, and not wear your pants and just kind of shows like you just have a top and a suit on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Luckily for for me, I don't have to be on um, video very often. But uh, no, I I think COVID has shown us as a whole, like a whole society, not just sports, but like life in general, about things that we were doing well as a society and then things that we were not doing well as a society. And so I think really at the end of the day, it's like anything else in life. When bad things happen, you can look at it as an opportunity to improve. And so I do think there's going to be some really good things that come out of COVID that probably would eventually happen maybe 15, 20 years from now, but COVID is kind of pushing it uh, at a faster pace. Uh, some of the progress, at least, I think, in like business and the workforce. Um, I think in sports, the opportunity to, to get better is also there. I just really hope that they get it right. And I really think for college football, the biggest thing that they could improve on is that intercommunication. And one of the things that I got very upset about um, is I'm not sure if you guys saw, but, um, you know, there's a few players in the Pac-12 that brought some concerns to the commissioner, Larry Scott, and the first response he had was very PC, um, you know, you know, trying to address what they, their concerns were. And the concerns were not just COVID-related. There were also concerns that basically players have had for probably 15, 20 years that have been pretty much ignored and shoved away. And so he had a meeting with these players that had the concerns. And I think maybe coming from a business aspect, I'm thinking, gosh, what you really have to do is make sure that these players feel heard because they are the ones that are playing. And if you don't have the players, you don't have a game. And if you don't have a game, you don't have money coming in. And so really you've been, you know, executing billions of dollars off their backs were not a lot that you've given them back. And so the least you could really do, considering you, you probably know 
deep down that they're owed more is just to listen to them. And because all they want to do is feel like they've been heard because they are the ones putting themselves out there. And instead of doing that, you basically reprimanded them and was dismissive on their call. And I just thought that was a huge mistake and a huge example of what's wrong with college football because what's going to happen is it's like any other labor issue in that that little movement of the few players that they had that were like, hey, we have concerns, that's only going to get bigger now. And COVID is going to only exasperate that. And now you're going to have a bigger issue when you even come back to play because there's going to be more of these players that are going to have concerns. So I think there's opportunity, but they have to take advantage of it, listen to the players, listen to the medical people, but also be cohesive in their communication. And then that would actually propel the sport further after COVID is is checked into control. But, uh, Holly, there's no money. We have no money for that. That's always a claim. <laughs> we have no money, right? We have no money to filter anywhere. It's always a claim. It's, it's laughable because you have the money to pay the teachers, right? You have the money to pay the faculty. You have the, I mean, there's money, right? Somewhere, money's flowing. There's a budget. Uh, one of the things I learned early on in business, right, like if your budget goes to red, you don't exist. So right. <laughs> they, got, they got plenty of green on the on the budget sheet. I can guarantee that unless they're spending it unwisely, uh, there shouldn't be an issue with that. But to your point, yes, there is a situation where, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to take certain feedback and then it's going to be detrimental in the end. Like you said, it's only going to, um, you know, make those player concerns larger. And if you basically poke that bear, it's only going to make it worse. And like you, like you said before, um, uh, you know, if you're in the red, you're not, you're obviously not surviving. But it's also interesting when they say that they don't have money when billions of dollars are coming in. And then also student loans are out through the roof, so somebody's getting money somewhere because people have to take out so much, uh, a, a huge amount of loan because the cost of school is so high. So if the cost of school was really high and you had to take out a loan, somebody, you know, there's a reason that the, the cost is so high. So I don't know where the money is going. <laughs> Holly, I will tell you, uh, in California with an elementary mindset, I have challenged some school boards because apparently they can't supply pens and pencils and uh, binder paper. And I'm like, I'm, I said to myself, really? Seriously? You couldn't shop off one gardener's, uh, you know, one gardener uh, job, two gardener jobs to have the school supplies? It's just ridiculous. And that's the same concept here, right? You have a ride. Right. You you got all the teachers. The teach the 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 faculty is probably making more money, as to your point, than some of the students when they could scale down, right? And at that point, certain programs have to be reassessed. Nobody wants to reassess programs. It's never happened, and in a and in a political sense, it doesn't ever happen. Politically, never scale down is never happening, right? To filter out to these other bigger needs or things that should happen. So, to your point, this college, the college mentality with COVID front and center has really brought a, a scringing halt and then a reassessment really quickly because some of these schools are not going to survive. And at that point, to your point, some of these students with all this debt and everything else, what are they going to do? Is, is the college going to pay off the debt because there's no college? Probably not going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, in the other 
part, I think, is that you'll see the way that we think of college is, is also changing. And, you know, it used to be 10, 15 years ago that online classes were kind of a like a new thing. And you might have three or four in person and maybe like one online. And now it's like everything is online. Um, because, again, if you have a computer and the Internet, you can do a lot. And so I think you'll probably see a lot of changes also on how they set up faculty at universities. Um, I think we'll probably see tenure kind of be re-evaluated and a lot more adjunct-type professors probably. But there's going to be change. And, again, it's like anything else in life. It's what do you do with something, you know, do, do you look at it as an opportunity when something goes wrong? Um, or do you falter or pretend it doesn't exist and then just die off? True. Um, Nate, we talked about Dan Snyder having issues internally. Um, we, you know, something else comes to light. This guy's pretty much, I guess you want to say a target now in terms of organization. And Washington no longer has a name. It's the Washington football team. And we ended up going with an Alabama-style uniform, which is numbers on a helmet. So I guess it's uh, maybe a good change or maybe not a good change. Or I guess we're transitioning because of the trademark. The trademarks aren't available until next year. So at this point, we're the Washington football team. Yeah, talk about taking what you can get. You know, I, I, I get I get that they wanted to I, I think the biggest thing for me and the takeaway from, from the, the name change is I get they wanted to keep the colors and sort of that style. Honestly think they maybe could have come up with something better than just, you know, Alabama style. We'll put the numbers in big and bold on our helmets. I mean y- y- you talk about going every going out of their way to look like a college team, that is exactly what Washington did. And then add to it. I, I mean, and, and uh, you know, no, no offense to any Washington fans out there, but that kind of goes along with the, the immaturity right now we're seeing from the league. I mean, like you said, he's got a target on his back. A lot of things come to light. A lot of issues happening that you know have spawned over time and continue to pop up. It's just it, nothing's looking good for them right now, and I, and I do feel sad for them because they were supposed to be trying to turn it around, and so far it has turned around in a spiral is what it has done. And it's sad and it's ugly and it's bleak. And I, I, I'm embarrassed for them as an NFL fan. I am embarrassed for them. Holly, um, you r- removed the name for, you know, obviously that was a unanimous decision to remove the name. And then you go Alabama style uniforms. So you basically downgraded to a college team. <laughs> That's really what it looks like. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could kind of look at this a couple of different ways. I think, I mean, I've seen people that say, well, they wanted to take their time to find the right name. And then I'm kind of like leaning towards the, they still don't want to make this change. So they're going to make it as difficult as possible. That's kind of what I feel like, but that's just, you know, that's based He's going to pull WWE and he's going to just, the storyline is going to change, and then you go back to Redskins. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to go back. I think they're just going to drag their feet and and make the change very slowly. And and I think that um, that's just based off of past behavior, right? 
And sure. here's the thing, like we're in 2020, the year of absolute chaos. And it's the same thing we were talking about. When when crazy things happen, you have two decisions. Do you do you let it make you get better or do you let it make you get worse? And they have an opportunity to get better, to try to fix their reputation, to try to fix their internal issues. Um, and so, I don't know. The, the college look, I get, like, I get it logically in connection to going down to the Washington football team. I get that you, I mean, you can't really, it's hard to be flashy when you just have the Washington football team. But I think, I think it, for me, it feels like they're dragging their feet a bit. Well, they had options, right? Warriors, Red Tails. Uh, what was the other option they had? They had three options. So apparently all of those options. Yeah. Apparently all those options are trademarked. And so they have to pay out some of the people that have the trademark. So that's why there's a, a, a year delay from what I read in various sources, including the athletic. So technically I didn't even know that he didn't have the warrior trademark and apparently he didn't. So he was going to have it for the, I guess some arena football team and he didn't get it. So now he has to stall to get it or red tails as an example, uh, which is, I don't know. I mean, you're a, a business, you would think you'd have some sort of, inclination about making a change but football team i mean uh, it's just crazy and then internally he's obviously had some uh, has some concerns as well so that just it's, it's it's a mess and if he's if they play the season and they're also a mess in terms of, of the on-field play man is this guy going to just it's just a beat down for him for 2020 like you said yeah and um with the trademark thing, I thought that there was a guy that purchased a bunch of the names because he yep, was a he fan did. and didn't want there to be mm-hmm. a hang-up. Has he changed his mind and now he's holding out for money? I didn't hear the update on that. Um, as far as my understanding was, that that was one of the issues that they were having conversations okay. with. And then apparently that because the trademark is a certain length of time, even if you do the transition of the trademark, it takes right. a, another six, six seven six months minutes. before it gets released for somebody else right. to acquire it. So I'm, I'm okay. assuming that's why they, they did what they did, right, for the season. Right. So they're probably going to acquire it in 2021 and then reintroduce one of the three names that they have chosen at this point. Right. All right, guys. Um, I always tell everybody to go to the Hub, and we're growing at the Hub, almost 9,000 at the Hub. So if you haven't gone to the Hub, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. But technically, you know what I mean? You just got to go to the Hub. Uh, shout out to uh, Mackenzie, who's always sending people to the hub. She's always doing a great job on marketing and sharing and all that stuff. So if you haven't gone to the hub, go to the hub. Uh, it is the best resource on the planet, the best network on the planet, covering women's American football. You can get everything there weekly, including the breaking news of the Icon Women's Football Association Intense 8 versus 8 League that will kick off in 2021. So if you didn't know about it, you knew about it because you were at the hub. All right, so facebook.com for us. Great iron beauties. All right, um, Holly, I'll give you uh, I'll give you a, a couple minutes. Um, the IWFA intense eight on eight, as we talked about at the top of the hour, will be challenging Mitchell Mortaza's X League. That's a shocker and at the same time game changer, as we were talking, me and Nate. Oh yeah, I you know, I do think that that is an excellent opportunity. Um, I think at this point. <laughs> Any like good news related to football, especially women's football, in that regard, any opportunity we have is a, is a great thing. <laughs> um, but I definitely agree with you guys. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it can't be coming any sooner, right? I mean, if he does full kit, full helmet, um, and all that, including uh, the body type, the difference. But he has named uh, the IWFA has all these uh, top names that were feeding to the L- former LFL. Now they're going to be front and center, which is huge. So shout out again to uh, Terrence Haywood and the group in Texas for trying to strive forward and do that. And I'm I'm assuming they're making some arrangements in terms of trying to get this onto each arena platform because it takes a little bit of money. If they can come up with that amount of money, um, you know, Holly, if the ex uh, former LFL can put in 3,500 to 5,000 fans in the seats, um, you know, hopefully we're, we're through COVID at this point, but if they, if they can do that, the icon women's football association does that, but with the name, former name players of the LFL, I, I'm, I'm assuming it would be attention getting for average fans to come out and support it. I, I agree. I think it could be a really good um, alternative to some of the other variations that are happening um, in that style of play. Uh, and I agree. I think if they can get some traction, it could be definitely successful. Fingers crossed, COVID preventing. All right. As we're talking IWFA playoffs coming up here, River City Warriors took on the Harlingen Hive for the fourth seed. Uh, so we got the playoffs coming up here on semifinals coming up on August 15th. River City 58-32 taking care of Harlingen Hive. Um, Nate, we talked about firepower before San Antonio, Texas Legacy, Austin Ravens, the Legion getting a beatdown from the Legacy and the Ravens. So now this four seed is set. It is basically upset weekend because can the Warriors off this 58-32 win over Harlingen can take can they take down uh, number one Austin Ravens and the Legions will get another crack at the San Antonio Texas Legacy. So huge weekend for the Icon Women's Football Association. Who will survive? The favorites, of course. We talked to Michelle Marshall last weekend. The favorites are obviously uh, Ravens versus Legacy in the final. Oh, you know, you know me, uh, you know me by now. I'm pulling for upsets across the board. I really am. I, you know, I, it, this, it's kind of weekends like this that get me get me more excited than usual. Um, especially during playoff time. Um, I, I love the, the matchups that are set and I, whew, I'm losing my voice here. I'm so excited. Um, no, I, I, I have upset both ways. That's, that's uh, my, Holly, that's my verdict. Holly, uh, River City shows up, takes care of, you know, and, and gets their ticket into the, the semifinals, but Ravens and Legacy, have been the teams in this short season. And now they're one step away from clashing. And Michelle was here last weekend, and she's totally excited to face her former coach. So um, this weekend's going to be huge. And the upsets are there. If River City or Legion can somehow upset these two top favorites, it's going to just change everything in terms of the season, in terms of the final, because we're all expecting Austin versus San Antonio. But if we get something else, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's like the, um, you know, bottom line of football is that anything can happen. Um, And if those upsets were to happen, I think not only would it be exciting, but it also would be kind of uh, indicative of 2020. So I say let's just be all chaos all the time and let's go for the upsets. 
Um, Holly, surprised that the WFLA is making all this news internationally, and then this week some of the French girls from the champion Molasses, and you can go to the hub at facebook.com for slash Grand Beach, check it out there. But a lot of talents are coming to Arizona to the Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix Red Tails, including uh, BAFA uh, women players. So UK, Fran, uh, French, uh, France invasion is going to happen in Arizona uh, once the WFLA kicks off in 2021. So a lot of international players really, you know, coming into a promise to pay at one, but to have this huge game changer of WFLA for 2021. Yeah, I think that, you know, if this – comes to fruition, then that would be, you know, really exciting for those international players. That uh, again, I'm still waiting to see, you know, and it's hard with COVID happening. Um, I want to see this on the field. Um, and then, then I'll get more excited about it. But, you know, on paper, they're pulling in and, uh, from Arizona, they're pulling in some good talent from overseas. Um, and you know how I feel about overseas. I, I love international players coming over and American players going overseas because I think it makes the game better. So I hope that it all works out, um, but we'll wait and see to see what happens on the field. Well, um, you can go to our Instagram page at Great Iron Beauties on Instagram. Check out the talented and beautiful Alyssa DeSantis of the champion, French champion, uh, Molasses. So check it out on our Instagram. Go ahead there now. Alyssa DeSantis, as well as at the Hub. You got the feature there of that awesome photo shoot that was done, uh, and it was supplied to us from the team as well and from the uh, group of girls that are obviously excited to go to the Phoenix Red Tails in 2021. All right, um, Ollie, in Finland, we have week three in the Division One, and in the Maple League, we're about to end. The Maple League's almost ending here. So we have a clash of, of preview week three, one week left, and then we got to go into the championship or the semifinals. So Tampiri, uh, one and one, taking on the, uh, the champion Wolverines, two and zero. Oh. You got Trojans with uh, Leah Casa, uh, one and one against the West Coast Phoenix. So it's literally uh, do or die it here, and it's going to be a semifinal matchup similar to the Icon Women's Football Association, where it's just one versus you know one versus two or one versus three, three versus four, and that kind of deal. So. We got one week left in the Maple League. This has been very exciting. If you guys haven't kept up with it, um, we have full coverage, exclusive coverage uh, from American Lano, Gel Palio, and also we have exclusive coverage for some of the teams in terms of video on Huddle as well. So, um, uh, Holly, the anticipation for this season in Finland was huge. Now it's down to the last weekend, and we got semifinals. Uh, looks to me, as uh, Mackenzie had mentioned prior, in prior podcasts, looks to me that like the Wolver- the Helsinki Wolverines gold team is going to repeat. That's what it looks to me right now. Yeah, they've historically been really solid. Um, so I would not be surprised if they had a repeat. I think that um, I'm really happy that there's still women's football happening. Uh, you know, so I think that it's, that it's great that they're still able to play. Um, and I'm excited to see the, the finale. Um, but I think right now my, my money's probably on the Wolverines at this point. Um, but we'll see what happens. Well, we have a weekend coming up here. Uh, August 15th, we have the Saints taking on the Helsinki Wolverines. Can they get an upset win here? Uh, the 
Uh, Tampere Saints coming off that 13-6 to edge win against West Coast Phoenix. Really tough defensive battle. You got the Wolverines taking down the Trojans 14-0. to uh, Nate, are you in the same consensus? We're looking at probably Helsinki repeating at this point after this weekend if they take down the Saints. I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, obviously, like we said, you know, had a couple close battles, but they've still been dumbed on both sides of the ball. They've still been just executing the the, the way only they know how. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're going to repeat. There's no question about it. Holly, if we go to Division One, it's a it gets a little bit closer of a race in Division One. Um, we have uh, the results this weekend, uh, Week Three. Coda uh, uh, Eagles, uh, 58 to zero route of the uh, Helsinki Wolverine Blue team, which is the second squad. Uh, Wol- Helsinki has two squads, one in the main league, the Maple League, and then one in the Division One. So there's a route there. Then uh, the Crocodiles of San Diego. Uh, they take down the Loya, uh, Loya Alliances. Shout out to our Ellie Mazzola there, uh, 30 to eight. And then the McKelly champion, McKelly Bouncers, shut out the Northern Lights, 42 to zero. So this is uh, interesting in terms of Division One, Holly, because we're looking at the Bouncers still the top dogs in in the whole division. Now we're looking at maybe Coda Eagles kind of bringing it up a little notch. Yeah, I think. Um... It's evident that I think the Eagles can still do some damage um, and uh, make this interesting at the end. Yeah, and you know what? The the, the week three uh, matchups were really interesting, and given that we have two more weeks of the season, this coming weekend we have the undefeated Tigers, who took a week off uh, by week, uh, Hamelini uh, Tigers, and check them out at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Brian Breeze. They have been on. Uh, they are going to meet with the champions. So, Holly, this is uh, uh, two undefeated teams in this Division One matchup. 2-0 and Tigers taking on the Bouncers 3-0. and Champions have really done a really good job of, you know, holding people to under almost 10 points. Uh, the Tigers uh, routed Wolverines in the first week 51-0, to and then obviously they take care of business uh, in week two, but at this point, it is a matter of can they keep up with, uh, I guess, McKelly. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be an excellent matchup. I think that, um, you know, I think that defense wins championships. So I think um, if they're still held, uh, if they're still able to hold them under ten points, I think that obviously bodes well. But I think it should be a really good matchup. All right, so we got the standings um, through week three in Division One in Finland. Uh, Bouncers are three and zero. The Eagles are two. Um, I'm sorry, Tigers two and zero. Eagles two and one. The Crocs are one and two. That's the top four teams in in play here. You have two of those teams. The Eagles facing the Lions at this point. Crucial matchup for them if they can get the win. They're at three and one. We got the Tigers against the Bouncers. If the Tigers somehow take care of McKelly, then we have a three-way tie of three, a three, uh, three and one. So, Holly, this is going to be a tight race for the last week of the season, which is um, August 17th coming up, and that's going to be uh, really interesting matchups in terms of before the playoffs start. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a, a race down the stretch like that, it makes it really exciting. Um, so um, we'll see who brings it home, but I'm really excited to watch it. All right, you guys, uh, the, the division playoffs do not start in Helsinki until August 29th and August 30th. 
that's the playoffs. The semifinals are going to be after that, and then we get the um, championship after that. So keep an eye on it at the hub at facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Everything at the hub, so go there now. If you haven't checked it out, we are the best network on the planet. Keep an eye on everything women's American football, so check it out there. All right, Ollie, um, we have a, a couple things at the hub. Um, we had, you know, the issues with um, how things are going to play out in both NFL and college, and we, we just talked about um, a lot of people are, you know, what is going to change for the NFL, in other words? What's, what's going to happen? We talked about the helmet modification, the uh, mask in prior podcasts. Um, I, I don't know, you know, at this point, the now and everything else, um, I mean, it's it's kind of like, to your point, there's just a lot of uh, things to think about. Now we're like thinking beyond the sport. We're thinking about the health risk. We're thinking about no attendance. Now on top of all that, it's like we might not even have an anthem singer or we won't have anthem, you know, like your normal traditional performances and things like that. I mean, you might have it on, on a live Zoom video or some sort. But uh, a lot of things have been taken away from a normal NFL season because it's such a staple brand, right? Well, I mean, I think at this point there's no uh, there's no normal right now, and so um, I think definitely the NFL is in a lot better position than college football because they have a lot more uh, money involved and they have a lot more resources and they have a lot more control over their situation. But even the NFL is going to have to adjust what that product looks like. Um, so, you know, there's going to be logistical changes in, in what it looks like. But uh, I think one sport that, that has done it really well is actually the NBA. Um, they've had great success with the bubble. And I think that, uh, you know, the natural, um, I guess, nature of basketball lends itself to tighter camera view. So you can barely even tell most of the time that there's not any people there, right? But I think the NBA has done a really good job. I don't think they've had – they haven't had the issues that baseball's had. Um, and so – but they've had to change the logistics of what their game looks like as well. Uh, but they've gotten creative. They have virtual fans uh, in the stands, and um, they've done things to try to make it feel as normal as possible. So I think the NFL will probably have to do something similar. They'll probably have to – find ways creative and clever to try to bring the product as close to normal as possible. But I also think people have to realize it's not going to be completely the same and that's okay for me. As long as, as long as there's a game being played, I think that's what matters to me as a fan. Yeah. The distraction taken away from everyday life and all the other um, obstacles that we're facing right now in terms of either finances or like you said, work related issues or, a lot of things are going on. A lot, a lot of things going on. Um, WNFC throws out a teaser out there. Reimagine on uh, August 21st. I'm assuming that's when they're going to unveil this uh, ad. It looks like it's an actual ad campaign for like the 2021 season. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out, you can check it out at the hub at facebook.com forward slash ground beauties. Um, so Holly, um, downtime for the WNFC. Here's opportunity, obviously, to still keep um, – some of the fans or an average fan or some folks on social media, they wouldn't, would never have gotten attention from it. Um, so they're trying to stay into a light in terms of Instagram and on Facebook. Yeah. I mean, that is all you can really 
do in this moment in time. But it, it's like we were talking about earlier. You, the you know women's football in general and uh, sports in general have had not a great year, right? We've had a lot of blows left and right, and so did the WNFC. And I think when you're not playing, you you do have a bit more time on your hands. And I think they've done a great job in using that time uh, creatively uh, with their marketing um, and trying to keep everyone engaged, um, you know, on and off the field. And so I think that's all you can really do in that moment and say, okay, well, if I have more time because I'm not playing and I'm not having to worry about the logistics of playing and and traveling and all that right now, then let me take that time and, and use it to still better the sport. So I think that's what they're doing. Well, Holly, um, are you doing the three-mile challenge that the Seattle Logistics put out there? The Rebellion responded. It's at the hub. Oh, so I, don't know I did the, I don't see know that. Falcons, I don't know if the Falcons are willing to do the three to five mile challenge in here, and who's going to step up I, I, their game. I did see that. Personally, I'm not not the long distance runner person. I'm more of a sprint person. I get kind of bored running long distance. But I tell you what, I've been making use of my new home that I've moved into, and I'm building a. Uh, home gym in my garage and I got a squat rack and that was very difficult <laughs> to get uh, uh, basically set up in my wall <laughs> and mounted the way I wanted it to, to get mounted but now it's there and I've been making great use of it um, and trying to do the best I can but I mean if they want me to run three miles I could run three miles it's just I might not be smiley because <laughs> I'm not a long distance <laughs> <That's runner. laughs> <We're right. laughs> you're not going to be smiling <laughs> No, I respect people to do. But you tell me, <laughs> I know. you tell me, run down the field and tackle that person, or run down and try to score a touchdown, or run to a base, or run, you know, to the basket. You tell me to run to something, and I will do it all day. You say go run five miles, and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Does, it That's doesn't surprise me. you. Doesn't surprise you that Nenji would come and respond. To uh, Cindy. Oh no! Cindy's challenge. Nenji's been doing <laughs> great. He was like, "Bring it on!" <laughs> Nenji's like, been doing West great. Coast Nenji's rivals. that person now. Like Nenji has no like preference of working out. You tell her to jump over a fence, she's gonna jump over a fence. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, she she and the rebellion just like okay, it's on, right? <laughs> West Coast rivalry <laughs> right there in the WNC. Bring it on, and then and then Katie goes out and says. Where's the rest of the you know WNFC? Where's the 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 so-called Kansas City glory? <laughs> you call out Liz Sowers. <laughs> That's pretty big. <laughs> that was fun. I, I like that. Um, so shout out to the Rebellion for responding and stepping up their game. Uh, so that, that's all we got today. Uh, Nate had a bail here because he's got uh, something to uh, take care of. But uh, Holly, thanks for coming in, uh, talking NFL. You guys can go back and replay all our podcasts. Last week we had uh, Chris Sacco. The week before we had um, Michelle Marshall and the talented Phoebe Sketcher. And then also back all the way down to 324 with um, Daniel Harvey, Sherry Awaga, and Adrian Smith. So we've been killing it for the last uh, month or so. I'm excited. Check it out. Yeah, check it out on your favorite platform, iHeart. Spotify or Apple, and we've been trending up really good on that. So I really, really appreciate everybody doing their part, uh, sharing our stuff, subscribing, and bringing attention to women's American football. So check us out every Tuesday on your favorite platform. Uh, for Holly Custis, 
Uh, Nate Ward and the option Mackenzie Brooks should be here next week. Oscar Lopez here saying, have a great night, everybody. We'll catch you here next Tuesday. Have a great weekend.